Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with actress Magda Apanovich. That's all coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. If you're an actor working in Vancouver, chances are you've either been on a CW show or a sci-fi show. Perhaps both. My guest today is no different. Magda Apanovich is a Vancouver actor who has appeared on such shows as iZombie, The Magicians, Travelers, Motive, The Mentalist, Continuum, Robot Chicken, and Hellcats. She was recently seen uh, in season two of the hit Netflix series, You, uh, and as well, she has also been a series regular on the series Caprica and has guest starred in perhaps the most iconic Vancouver show of all time, Supernatural. But for many people, she will always be Andy Jensen from the great and gone-too-soon TV show, Kyle XY. And as she talks about, her connection to Kyle XY goes back to one of her first film appearances in The Butterfly Effect, uh, written and directed, both The Butterfly Effect and Kyle XY, written and directed by Eric Bress and Jay Mackay Gruber. Other films Magda has appeared in are Slither, The Green Inferno, and her latest film, Volition, which is a great time-bending adventure thriller. Initially, I was only supposed to talk to Magda for about half an hour. Uh, we ended up talking, we ended up taping for over an hour. Uh, and then we talked about for at least another 20 minutes off air. I gotta say that this has been one of my favorite interviews I've done at least since I've done in quarantine, uh, if not ever. I just found Magda to be so down to earth and genuine and she shared so much and was so generous with her time, which is all you can really ask for. As I said, her new film is Volition, uh, which was released uh, on July 10th. But beyond that, you know, we, we just talk a lot about Kyle XY, because I had to, Supernatural, you and the Netflix experience, um, LA versus Vancouver. Uh, she spent a year abroad in Poland when she was 15. It was a very charming uh, and wide-ranging interview. Um, and so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to bring you my conversation with Magda Apanovich. 
cut my hair because uh, it's here and damaged and I dyed my hair and it was really bad and so uh, I kind of went at it and went way too short so now I can't do anything with my hair but at least it doesn't look like janky as shit. Fair. It's that, just like too short. What's what's the most exciting thing you've been able to do in quarantine? Do what I love doing, which is nothing, and watch true crime. There you go. Yeah. How about you? What was your favorite? Has been your favorite thing? Yeah, I've been I've been watching a lot of. Um, I just rewatched all of Monty Python. <laughs> um, been watching uh, his Dark Materials. Well, I guess that's true. I have been watching some old school movies I never watched before, like ones that I always wanted to watch. Uh, um, Dead. Dead. Mommy Dearest, um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, um, those were really big ones I had always wanted to see because of the whole uh, Joan Crawford thing, and knowing she's a psycho mom. But you, I know you, um, you had a Netflix experience. You were on the second season of You. Um, I was. What, what was that experience like? Uh, pretty much a dream come true, because I watched the first season and at the time my partner he was really scared of uh watching it it just really messed with his mind and so i'd watch it in the middle of the night and i just like binged it over two nights and i just remember thinking like am i allowed to swear oh yeah like i was just thinking fuck man like why can't i be on a show like this and then like a couple months later i get this audition for you and I I had to like make a double take I just like I'm sorry what and, and then then I got it and I had to make another double take like make them tell me again I'm sorry you said I got it I was really excited and then like the just everyone there was so nice and creative and cared so much about their jobs and and their characters and I, I've worked on many sets and that doesn't always happen like people are not always like all about their characters it's more about how cool they are are you uh any news on whether you're going to return for season three i don't think i'm allowed to say fair <laughs> yeah i wish yeah but i guess we'll find out i think it comes out in 2021 yeah feels like everything everything's been a little bit delayed right yeah, what a weird time. How are you feeling with it? Like, how are you dealing with COVID-19? All right. I mean, I I was in Toronto, and then once everything started shutting down, I just flew back home to Victoria and just been holed up here for the last four and a half months, I guess. That's so weird. Yeah, my ex, he kept trying to get me to move to Victoria, and I've been to Victoria. I've shot a movie in Victoria. I just... I can't do it. There's something about it that just makes me want to go insane, like Alice in Wonderland insane, like down a rabbit hole. It, it's interesting because, you know, I when we graduated high school, like all of us just left. Like we all just like, okay, we're done with Victoria. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's bigger than a lot of cities, but it's like if you're from Vancouver or Toronto, it's small, right? Yeah. And now a lot of us are coming back, not mm -hmm. necessarily by choice, but you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Vancouver. Not really by choice. This life, life shit. 
yeah. happened and and like three years ago i kind of came back here and i was actually planning on moving back to la in january just as i made that decision like all hell broke loose on earth and i was like well i guess whatever the fuck higher power that i don't know how to find or whatever is saying you're gotta stay here and it has been nice like i was living in la for seven years and so I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my mom and, and just getting older and just going blind and, you know, knowing how to cook and, and eat and clean is not really her skill set. And so I've been able to kind of be a, a homeless bum on my mom's couch and help her do all that stuff and cook for her and, and kind of clean the house and help her with like getting rid of hoarding, also realizing I'm a bit of a hoarder and trying to get out of that. That's really hard. Yeah. Um, you seem like from your background, it seems like you probably are very like OCD clean. <laughs> I wish, no, I, um, I'm, I'm in my, in my parents' basement, so I just sort of- Is it cold? It's, Victoria has been incredibly windy. Okay. I don't know what's going on, but like we've been, it's the middle of July and we're all wearing sweaters and it's like 12, 13 degrees Jealous. out. It's, it's weird. It's just weird. I have two fans going. I have the door open and it feels like it's 85 degrees or wow. 90 degrees. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's, what is that in Canadian terms? 20? Like if it, yeah, 90 degrees is like 28, 30. Yeah. 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 In Toronto, it was like 35 and then there's going to be thunderstorms all next week. Oh, my dad lives in Toronto and like, holy shit, I could not do 35. That sounds yeah. like a nightmare. I know. I, I, I'm flying there this weekend for a week for some film stuff. And then, so that'll be, that'll be interesting. Is that tricky? Like, how are they, are they, um, masks in the airport, masks yeah. on the plane, um, in Toronto, you have to wear a mask basically anywhere in public. So yeah. it's like, if you're in a restaurant, in a store, um, I mean, I, I won't have to wear, I won't have to wear one inside at my friend's place where I'm staying. Yeah. Um, Are you, do you have one of those reusable ones? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Um, those. Is it the ones that are like, uh, have you gone to shoppers? They have pretty good ones. They're called like K95s or something. And they like have a metal thing. And I feel like I'm not suffocating to the point of having a panic attack. Cause some of them, I feel like I can't breathe. I'm sweating yeah. and. Well, I remember when I was in Vancouver last month and I like I just had the disposable ones. Mm -hmm. If you use them like two or three times when you're walking, it's really hard to breathe. Yeah. Um, but we we ordered a bunch of these cloth ones online and they seem to work really well because they're 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 a bit looser. Yeah. Um, but they but they still cover cover your mouth. So. Yeah, that's why that's what I was talking about the um, the shopper struck mark. I don't know why I'm pointing as if you could see my table. Um, <laughs> But like they come in two packs and they're like uh, a um, couple layer ventilators. Oh yeah. But they're still sort of disposable, but they obviously if you keep up with them and keep them like in the sun to, to disinfect, like they can last a long time. And there, I have material ones, but these are the first ones that I feel like are doing something, keeping me safe and I can breathe without having a panic attack because I have panic attacks regardless of COVID-19 before yeah. this I had issues with just like leaving the house and being around people 
which you're you're welcome. You're learning about a lot of my fucked up issues. Hey, I've 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 been there. I was I was on um, anti anxiety medication for a while, so I I get it. <laughs> yeah, I got that and a bunch of other stuff. But like, what's cool is through our our union, they kind of help with mental health now, which is good. Yeah, they yeah. got me in contact with like a trauma therapist. Perks of being an actor, like perks of being an artist, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you know much about complex PTSD, but like I had been diagnosed that so much in my life, I didn't actually really know what it was. And then someone gave me Facebook and it's been very educational. It's called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And then uh, my new psychologist is a trauma therapist of like 30 years and teaching me about like why I'm fucked up. So it's pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. That's what I'm doing in quarantine. Learning <laughs> about myself. Uh, speaking of things in minds that may or not be messed up, Volition is a great little film. Uh, yep. I just finished watching it and you think you know what's going on and then it takes a beeline. Um, yeah. Did you, was this the type of project where you, where you got the whole script right away? And when did you figure out sort of what was going on? Yeah, I got the script right away. I've worked with Tony back when I was 18, maybe 17, 18. And I was in Vancouver Film School. He was in Vancouver Film School. And for in projects, we were auditioning for these short films. And one of them was Tony's. And I really wanted this part. And so I ended up getting it and I worked with him. I just thought he, I've never forgotten the energy I had working with him. Like I barely remember that time because I was uh, drinking a lot. Um, I'm oversharing so much, uh, but I was just like a young, out of control kid. So, uh, I, I barely remember that time. I just remember he was a shining light in a really like confusing time in my life. And so when he reached out a couple years ago about, um, this movie, he was like, can you take a read and, and like, see if you'd want to play Angela because I've kind of had you in mind for a few years and I was like um I'm in and he's like no 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 like you gotta read it and then tell me you're in and I'm like I'll read it but I'm in and he's like okay and so I started reading the first 10 pages and after that I uh I still texted him I was like I promise you I'll finish reading it but I'm hooked I'm in I love you let's do it. Uh, and then I read it. I remember them saying that they had some adjustments to do and then they did. And it was really different than the one, the script they gave me. And, uh, and from the beginning, Tony was like, you could be honest with me. And, and I was like, uh, so it came to that point. I was like, how honest do you, when you say, honest with you how honest do you actually want me to be with you because people say they want you to be honest with them but really don't and he was like no like a hundred and fifty percent like I just brutally tell me and I was like to be honest 
it's like you took a really good version of the movie and put it in a blender and then like forgot to put the top on and it just fucking hit the ceiling and went everywhere. I don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, I don't know what you did, but it destroyed the magic. And uh, he really took that well. He did. It was actually surprising um, because I've gotten in trouble for saying much less to people um, with my opinions on set in a, I'm trying to be professional. And, um, he then went back to his brother and they were talking about it. And I remember they did some more adjustments and came back and they were like, here's the script. And he said, thank you so much for being honest because I did get, uh, hung up and trapped in hearing everyone's opinions and thoughts. And I tried to, to make everyone happy and then it just made everything fall apart and so uh i'm saying this not to shoot my own horn but because sometimes he has said this in interviews and i was like oh that's awesome that my opinion mattered um did so i did know well, i guess I'm, I'm that was a long way of explaining yes i have i did know the ending and um i did shoot it the way I saw it, but also when I watched it, I still didn't know what the end was. Right. It took me about three times to watch the movie. Like, it was weird. I knew it more when I was shooting it, but when I watched it, I was more confused. And I was like, wait, what? I finally get it now. What do you think, you, you play the character of Angela. What, what do you think she wants? What does she see in James? I think they're two lost souls that uh, she I think hasn't been able to trust them on for probably most of her life. Uh, she's probably a pretty good uh, judge of character. And she kind of saw something in him that's in herself. And there was uh, almost like there's sometimes you meet people and it's like, I, f I swear I've met you in another lifetime. Like I know your soul. And for some reason we just blindly jump in and, and trust that feeling no matter how jaded someone is. And I think that's kind of what happened. And they were just, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of people who have been lost souls and they find another lost soul and it either they thrive or or they suffocate each other. And I do think it's possible to sometimes heal with another broken soul. And that's I think what happened in this case. But yeah, you know, the, the you you alluded earlier to a a higher power that you can't find, and and this film deals a lot with free will versus destiny and and choice and fate, and is everything you know set in stone. What what do you what do you think about that philosophical idea? Do how, how much power do we have? Yeah, I think that's probably what's the best part about the movie and best part of the ending is because it's really your choice to decide that was it destiny or was it uh, his choice? And I constantly battle this like my entire life I've been so head thinky and all this like existential thinking like since I was 10 years old where my mind was breaking and I was like what am I even contemplating all the time uh, but 
I want to believe that there's a higher power. I don't know if it's necessarily that concept of there's a, a heaven or a hell. Um, I, as someone once kind of explained it to me, like they made it, the way that they explained how they saw higher power like made me cry in a way that I was like, oh my God, I hope that's true. But just that like, after we leave like our spirits go but there's this it's an unexplainable journey that our kind of souls go on and eventually they might be human again but they might not and there's like almost like he was talking about like different planets it got really trippy but it, it just sounded really beautiful and so sometimes i think about my life in the fact that so many unbelievably amazing things have happened. So many things that I dreamed of happening in terms of like, even when I was a kid and like the secret came out and it was like hokey, but that's also how my brain was. Like I thought about the things that I thought about, maybe just because I have obsessive compulsive personality, <laughs> but I sometimes can't help but think the things that have happened in my life were meant to happen or it was like i don't know people call them like god shots and for someone who's an atheist there's so many things that have happened in my life that are like maybe i'm completely wrong like i don't know i have that debate with myself all the time i think there's the the idea, sorry, go with me. I think there's the idea that you could choose your own ending. Some things might always kind of be in there or no matter what choice you make, something will still be dropped in your way to either protect you or surprise you. But I think like, it's kind of like when people pray they pray for help, but you can't really pray for help. You can only ask for like the strength of something to help you, but you have to do the work. Right. I guess I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if I answered that in any way because it's such a complicated question and a question that I never want to like offend people of what they believe because none of us are right and none of us are wrong and no one actually knows the fucking truth. So... I never want to be dogmatic. Um, you know the the character of, of James. Um, there's a there's a plot or there's a character description that he has. He has he's a bit of a clairvoyant, um, and your character Angela, when they go back to his apartment, makes a comment sort of about how it could use a woman's touch, and she, I think she's very good at, at reading people. Um, what do you think? How how much can we learn about people right after meeting them or or, or their surroundings? And how good are you at reading people? Yeah. Fuck. Um, I feel like uh, I have thought I was a really good judgment of character, but then other times people have told me that I have really bad judgment of character. At the same time, I don't think so. Like, I meet someone and I feel like right away I get a vibe. Like, I... I know if I'm going to connect with them or not. I'm going to know if they're going to understand me, even if they don't understand the words I'm saying, they get just my spirit. And 
I do. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I probably come up creepy because I get connected to people when I've met them because I felt an energy. I felt a story. I felt like a history with them. And so then I try to make friendships with them and I'm very awkward at making friendships. So, you know, you've, you've done, um, you've done a lot of sort of sci-fi esque themed, um, projects. There's this Caprica continuum, Kyle XY. Are you, are you naturally drawn to, to this genre? Do you think? And, and if so, what is it about these types of stories that interest you? I wouldn't say necessarily drawn to it originally because uh, I grew up in Vancouver as an actor and you don't really get a choice. Um, you get an audition for the things that shoot in Vancouver and things that shoot in Vancouver are CW or sci-fi. And, um, you know, at first that kind of bothered me because I want, I'm, I like the idea of playing all sorts of different characters, different genres, challenging myself with uh, just different tones. But I do think that growing up in Vancouver and being an actor in, in sci-fi stuff has been a really good like training school because I, I, I teach young adults uh, or just adults, beginners acting now. And I know that when I give them scenes that are sh like scenes that are often shot in Vancouver, they have to do with post-apocalyptic zombies, this, that, the other thing. And everyone has this like inability to, to somehow connect to that because they seem like that's so far fetched. But to me, I learned really early on that all this stuff wasn't like zombies, aliens, Cylons, everything. All of it is just metaphors for life. Like the beauty of sci-fi is that you get to actually embrace the most powerful emotions in you. And because of abnormal circumstances, you get to amplify them more than just a, a natural sitcom or a movie, a romantic comedy or something. So I feel like I've learned so much as a nerd watching sci-fi, like Buffy and Angel and Charmed. Oh my God. And um, acting in it just, to me they're yeah it's all it all connects to human nature people who write these stories are obviously inspired by some sort of feeling and you just have to find what that feeling is you know you you, you, you mentioned the n-word nerd um yep. which i think used to have a very negative connotation but i think we've taken it back and it's and it's become celebrated now and with you know, Comic-Con and all Com these cons and, and all these other things. It's, it's, it's an, it's an appreciated lifestyle, I guess. Um, what do you, what do you enjoy about that? Not, not only being a nerd yourself, but also as also someone who, who has been in these projects and has sort of experienced the fan culture um, as a performer. Well, to me, it's been pretty amazing finding my people and finding that there is a place for people like me who get to just obsessively die like um talk about 
the storylines of Buffy with someone who is not sick of doing that a million times and can give their perspective and what they think this means and this and it kind of brings back to the whole philosophical thinking about life like it just brings me back to life in general and our thoughts and our feelings and and how people see the world and by I by identifying as a nerd and loving certain shows you get to kind of I feel like you get to express yourself in a way that sometimes maybe you don't even know what's going on inside and like that's even what I find going to comic-con or going to conventions and sometimes people and myself are socially awkward and I'm really comfortable with that and I think a lot of people tend to not be. So I don't know how to explain this, but I just get them. Like when I go to conventions, I love meeting people who might be really nervous and not know how to like say what they want to say because I get it. Yeah. I know what they're trying to say. You know, and, and if you look at conventions, it basically falls into two genres, sci-fi and horror. Mm -hmm. And you've had experience in both. What is it specifically about these types of stories that A, appeal to people and B, can, can tell us things or, or can tell us stories in ways other genres or, or other mediums can't? I think it's kind of what I just said, of, uh, especially sci-fi, is that uh, we all grow up with so much angst and issues and we don't know what they are or the, some, there's not someone around to teach us what's going on inside of us. And with sci-fi, there are so many metaphors that you can uh, connect to these stories in ways that don't make sense to other people. You can um, project what you're feeling onto them and it helps you get through whatever you need to get through at that time. And horror is somewhat similar, but for me, like I've never understood quite yet why I love it so much. Like I, my favorite was, and is for always, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, all the old ones, Fuck, they're so amazing. Um, and they're so disturbing and creepy and make my skin crawl and they're funny and, God, they stick with you. And so then one of my favorite movies is Scream because it's all meta and, you know, Wes Craven did both. And you could see how he started developing Scream from, if you watch all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets. And yeah, oh, sorry, my brain's just going a million miles an hour. So I'm thinking like, with Scream, it was funny because it still scares me and I laugh and it makes fun of itself. And that's kind of what I do with myself. Like, I love making fun of myself. I love self-deprecating humor, um, sarcasm. And uh, when you get have a cast of actors that are really good at their job and deliver these lines so believably, you just, at least for me, like I... I connect to something like Scream because I watch their performances and to me it's like watching someone play the symphony 
I, it's art to me, the way that people know how to deliver comedy, uh, humor, sadness, fear. And obviously that's probably why I'm an actor, but I see it as music being played and you get to just, everyone is, has this different tone to their instrument and adds something different and, yeah, with horror, also, when I get to play in it, I get to get stuff out that is that sometimes is stuck in there or fears about the world or fears of being murdered. I don't know. Um, there's a lot. But yeah, I don't know. Does any of what I'm saying make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... I guess sometimes I have a hard time really honing what I'm thinking because my brain thinks about what I'm thinking and then also has connecting judgments or thoughts to that and yeah. it's stuck. My ma my mouth is here and my brain is here and then they have to, and then it has to catch up. Yeah, and then my brain moves over there and then my I'm yeah, trying to exactly. catch up to there. Exactly. So it's just like by the time I'm saying my original thought I'm already six thoughts ahead of that knowing where i'm gonna go next right yeah and then i'm just like fuck i hope some portion of that makes sense to somebody um and i've been like that's kind of why i consider myself a dork or a weirdo or a nerd is because i tend to do that in public with people and not everyone understands what's happening yeah and and it's just like the people who do love me and see my quirks as magdaisms or they just see me for who I am, I feel very lucky because I can often feel like I'm an alien or there's something damaged in my brain that doesn't let me talk like a normal human being and sometimes talks in poetry form or something. I, I used I used to work at a at a nerd bar in Vancouver. So what is that? So there was this well, there's two like there's this restaurant called the Stormcrow. Oh, okay, I've one, heard of that. Uh, one's well, the one on Commercial Drive closed, but there's one in uh, Kits as well. Um, and like the one on Commercial Drive was sort of like, you know, we had our mascots a giant Cthulhu, for example. What's a Cthulhu? So Cthulhu That's is funny. the monster from the H.P. Lovecraft. Um, okay. Or short stories, it, it kind of looks like an octopus, but the tentacles are on the face Ooh. type of thing, you know, and then there's cocktails like, you know, uh, uh, Mysterio or a Pangalactic Gargle Blaster or, or a Dark Side Bowl. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you, there's a 20-sided die and you can roll for a shot. Um, yes. And it's got all sorts of like, you know, we used to show Game of, the, Game of Thrones. And I remember one time in Vancouver, we had Elijah Wood come in because he was... He was in town filming um, Dirk Gently. Mm -hmm. um, so I've yeah, met him. Of, like, you know, it's a lot of like Lord of the Rings, which is where the name comes from. Like, you know, uh, decorations or you know, sci-fi decorations. So it's and it's just all. Did about... Elijah love it? Oh yeah, and so he ordered the veggie burger, which at the time in Vancouver was called the Elvish. Okay. And if you get with cheese, it's the Elrond, right? Um, and of course, but it's Elijah Wood, and. I was in the kitchen, so like, okay, we're not going to let him just do this. So we took one onion ring, mm -hmm. put it in the deep fryer, and put it like on top of the burger as like Aww, the one ring. Yeah. And all, all we hear from the kitchen, it goes, oh no, they didn't. <laughs> so that, that, that was pretty fun.
Yeah, my one story with Elijah Wood is that uh, I met him at Comic-Con and my friend was talking to him about like, oh, Magda's just got this like come hither dance. And, and Elijah was like, what? I gotta see this. So I showed him my come hither dance. And then there was like this big um, photo booth that it takes pictures and shows them live to people downstairs and above on like big screens. But I had a, a dress on or like a skirt and it kind of got out of hand and they both lifted me up and my underwear was showing. And, and then I was like freaking out. I was like, guys, my underwear. And then they both were like, I'm so sorry. So sorry. And like, it's all captured in pictures, all those moments. And, and then I kind of went back to the place the next day and I was like, can we please delete those ones of my underwear, please? And they did, but I get to, I got to keep, the original copies, which are pretty hysterical. This the the volition deals a little bit with like time travel and alternate versions of yourself. Do you do you think that another Magda exists? And if you met her, what would you say to her? Yeah, I totally love that idea. Again, I I don't rule out any way that the world is run. But I love believing that there's different timelines. I love believing that because of how I feel when I meet certain people, like where, okay, so I love sliders. I don't know if you've ever watched that or heard of it. And that's uh, where uh, they slide into different dimensions. It's the same time, it's the same place, but everything else is different. And like, you're the same person in terms of like your body exists here, but there's always something different in those uh, societies. Or like, for instance, one timeline was they, they didn't have penicillin existing yet, or Hitler had never happened, or it's a world of shrimp. But um, I, I love imagining that there's other timelines. And I, I've even had that with like my first love where we broke up and we've stayed friends and known each other over the years. But like in a way, the way that we kind of healed where we said in some version of the universe, you and I are on the beach reading a newspaper together. And so I like to think about that. When I, when I think about loss, when I think about missing certain people or feeling like friendships I, I used to have aren't in my life as much as they used to be, I like to believe that they're in a different timeline hanging out. Yeah. Um, we, we mentioned how you've done a lot of uh, sci-fi stuff. And of course, I think like a lot of Canadians, I first became aware of you as Andy. Uh, yeah. In Kyle XY, which uh, that became such a, like an institution. I know it was only three seasons and it should have mm -hmm. gone longer, but it, it, it I think it's become something else after it after it aired. Um, what do you what do you make? First of all, what was it like being on it? And what do you make of that show's legacy and sort of its place in in Canadian pop culture over the years? Well, I love the people who remember it <laughs> because the people, I mean, that was my favorite role of all time. It was, I, I remember reading the breakdown and I told my boyfriend at the time, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking me. 
Like, this is me. I talk with my hands. I'm, I'm this person. And I remember when I went in and auditioned for it, uh, the next, they wanted me to come in the next day and I had already auditioned in front of the producers and everything. And they asked me to come in the next day to do it. And I already have like petrifying fear of auditions. So I was like, why do they want me to come in again? Oh my God, please no. Uh, and apparently I found out later is because they just didn't believe I could do it again. They thought my performance was a fluke, which is a big compliment. Um, and I remember the first day when I realized that I was playing someone who had cancer, I thought that that was a very scary thing to do because there are a lot of people who are suffering through cancer and to make jokes about it is a very dangerous line to dance on but once i really just understood it was the something the director said the first day which i don't remember what but it just clicked in my head and i realized who this girl was fully like that like these jokes are because she's scared these jokes are to help her make it normal and somehow or to to not feel like she's hiding a part of herself that she's be being able to live to the extent that she can forever however long she can and um i found that to be a really big honor to play because that kind of humor finding a reason why someone acts the way they act is obviously the, the joy of being an actor um and then I also found out later on that that part was kind of written based off of me. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I was like 16, I worked on a movie called Butterfly Effect. And I was only in like one scene, no close up, but I worked on it for three days. And there's two directors and Eric Bress, he was um, one of them. And him and Jonathan went on to, to basically create... Uh, Palex Y, but by season two, they weren't really on the show anymore. They were somewhere else. And so I didn't find this out till way later that originally there was a character in, in the whole, I guess writers call it their Bible. So it's like the whole arc of the show. And there was a character named Magda who was vivacious and full of life that, um, was suffering from cancer and I just remember when I was 16 and I worked with Eric he was just really uh, awesome with me because I was a really messed up kid and troubled and um, he just tried to give me some guidance and really didn't talk down to me the way that other people did when I was 16 like I was a pretty smart 16 year old probably smarter than I am now and yeah, so he, he kind of got inspired by that and then they changed the character's name before they threw it into casting. And I just, I, I still to this day don't know what to say about that. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I think anyone's ever done. Do you, do you have a, a favorite memory from that show or like a favorite scene that you did? God, all of them were so good. I would have to say the scene where... I am standing outside of the door and Kyle opens the door and it's like the Andy Jensen uh, theme music where it's just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I don't know how to, I'm tone deaf, but um, he, he lets me in. He's like, hi, 
and I'm like hi and he's like it's really nice of you to do this like training thing it's like oh no this is a uh, I'm doing a favor for ovaries everywhere and just talk about how like this kid's a mess and I'm a t-shirt girl so I get it but this Dava person she's just you know and, and like the fact that Kyle has this like smirk on his face of like oh sweet girl I know you have a crush on him and he has a crush on you and he's like you should you should be the one going on a date with him and just being like um ew that scene was really beautiful because it encompassed a lot of the relationship of Andy and Josh and it's just it was such a good show to work on I miss it you know in in this era of revivals do you think it will ever come back I think it would have to depend a lot of well Julie Pleck she she's got so many other shows on the go so many successful ones so I don't know if I don't know who would have to come from that was like, let's do this again. I would probably have to be the fans that were like, oh my God, can we have the season that was supposed to exist? Like we were supposed to have one more season to wrap this all up. And that would be really cool. It's hard because we were all so young. I don't know how you would do it. Would you just fast forward and pick up from where their lives were? I don't know how you would do it. I mean, I don't know, like, Kyle's an, al- Kyle's an alien, so maybe he has the power to send them all to the future and be like, this is where we all end up as people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I There's many different ways you could do it. I've always wanted that just because, A, I did feel like it was cut short really quickly. B, I just would love to play that character again. So good. It was The writing was so good. Yeah. You don't uh, get to get that a lot from, you know, shows, movies, everything, where it's just so easy to come out of your mouth. There's some some that you get that you're like, this is not how humans speak. Jesus Christ. I I found Annie, like Annie's dialogue is very witty, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, like she's sassy, but she's smart, too, on, underneath it all. Yeah. And I never really thought I was funny. Um, but then I realized a lot of my friends thought I was funny most of my life and I feel like comedy takes confidence and I didn't have a lot of confidence so I look back and like how did I do that I don't know but it was just a beautiful time and it definitely made me wish that I could do comedy more but I know that my reps have tried to reach out for different kind of uh, casting directors but they know me only as drama instead of comedy. So it's really hard to break into comedy, but I think I'm perfect for comedy. Speaking of Canadian institutions, I got to ask you about, you guessed it on Supernatural. Um, What was, I mean, that, no one thought it was going to last 15 seasons. It's, It's become an icon in not only Canada, Vancouver. Everyone knows Misha, who's like the greatest human alive. Um, I wish I got to meet him. He's like, like, he jumps off the screen as the sweetest human being ever. But sorry, continue your question. Oh, I was just saying, what, what was the, what was the experience for you of, of being on that show, especially one that was already so well established in the minds of Canadians? For me, that was like a, how do I explain it? a life accomplishment in a way that seems so ridiculous. But when I was 
15, the show started and I have been auditioning probably for that show every year for 15 years and everyone I knew and their fucking dog was on that show and sometimes twice. And I know people would be asking me like, oh, did you do an episode of Supernatural? I was like, no, I did not. But I will one day. I promise you. Like, it was just like, I need to finally be one of the Vancouver actors that are on this show. Why have I not been on this show? I wasn't that angry. But it was in my head. I was like, it got to the point where I would go in, I'd do an audition, and I'm like, well, that's another one I'm not going to get, even though I'm like, I'm proud of the audition I do. But, um... I did that with the one that I came in and auditioned for and then I got it and I was like, seriously, finally, oh my God, this is amazing. And the fact that it was an episode where I kind of got to play everything I always wanted to play on that show. Like I didn't just, I wasn't just a day player. I got to be there for like six, seven out of the eight days there. And I got to do stunts. I got to do wire work. I got to fight with the boys. I got to uh, be in scenes with both of them. I got to like get to know them and they're like big brothers. And I got to give Jared shit that he doesn't know how to speak Polish, even though he is Polish. Um, and, and Jensen's fucking hilarious and gave me a lot of awesome music to listen to that I've never heard of. And it literally felt like I went to summer camp with my big brothers. I can't, I can't express, and I got to try to like be innocent and, and then naive and uh, evil and sexy and just, I got to do it all it, and special effects and dream come true. I literally wrote this really long uh, um, letter to the casting directors that have known me for since I was 15 and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much for everything. This is, I know this seems like a ridiculous thing to be so, so happy about because it's been a show that's been on forever and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice little cheeky show and it's not like I'm getting to be on, on a like Oscar winning show. It's just like, there was something that meant so much to me internally to be on that show and it and the fact that everyone was so amazing and the experience was better than i could imagine because i was terrified that they knew each other so long and it was like this ongoing relationship that everyone had but i was welcomed very like easily and they made sure to like include me and it was just yeah I, I wanted to, to touch on the Polish thing, because I know when you were a teen, uh, you got to spend a year in Poland uh, with your uncle. How did that help you think, not only as a person being in this culture, but also uh, as an actor? What did you learn from that? Well, that was right before I uh, started in the industry. I think I had been doing theater at that time, but I was, like I said, a very troubled youth, a very lost youth. Uh, I had dyslexia. I was bullied at school all the time. Um, I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know what my future held. And I got um, like my arm broken doing a sport. And like, I remember when I was in, in cheerleading practice, the girls would like push me when the coach wasn't looking. And then um, they 
like I got kicked off for smoking weed and even though all of them smoked weed they still were narcs and and so I got kicked off and I was like fuck this all fuck it all and I dropped out of high school and I moved to Poland and I found huge confidence in myself by being there like I got probably more lost and also found myself I I got to have more life experiences I had a family that was really stricter than I thought like they wouldn't let me not go to school and they, and they well not that I wanted to go to school but they wanted me to also study and I was like oh I didn't actually plan on studying I just planned to go to school and they're like no, no no you have to study I I went to kind of get the culture and understand where I came from and I I learned how to cook with my aunt. I got to learn how to do bigos and pierogi and borscht and I would milk cows before school for my cereal in the morning and 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 eat my cereal with warm milk and you know get the eggs from the chickens and I learned about skinheads and didn't realize that I was dating one and that was scary. I ended up in a skinhead bar and I was really young and just kind of well drunk all the time but I all of a sudden realized that everyone in this one particular bar had shaved heads combat boots leather jackets and I was like I think I think this is a skinhead bar and it just disturbed me so badly because how how not to be horrible, but like, how ignorant are you that like, God, Hitler tried to, to kill your kind, my kind, like, why would you celebrate a monster? It's, it's such a example of if um, misplaced angst and information. And it was, it was ve very educational in seeing how other people live even um as a woman being in poland the way that they treat women it's not like horribly but they just women aren't really supposed to have voices and a lot of guys really were drawn to me because i had a voice and i had an opinion and it, it shocked me when other the others wouldn't say something and if that wasn't cool or something uh they would also all call me canada hey it's canada and um yeah i just got a lot of confidence that it made me realize i wanted to come home and graduate with my age group and kind of move on with my life uh i didn't i still at that point didn't quite know what i was going to do and i just made i just knew i i was going to change schools You've, you mentioned that you live down in LA, so you know, you've made films down there, you've made films up here. What, what do you like about, about the Canadian industry? What are some differences that you see? Uh, in, in Canada, where we uh, actors have our trailers, we call it circus. And in the States, they call it uh, book, um, is it, what is it called? Oh my God, is it boot camp or is it camp? Do you remember? Do you know? I mean, um, boot boot camp sounds like a, a thing that would exist. I've never shot. Yeah. I've only shot films in Canada, never in the states, so I can't really. Oh my 
God, I can't believe I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, it just, um, the, the term that they use for their, uh, instead of circus was just, it's a hard thing to adjust because I love the idea that we're, it's, it's a circus. Actors are circus, like little animals in a circus and they're in their trailers and the ADs come and wrangle them up and like, come on, you're needed to set. And I just, uh, I feel like the term circus is a very fitting. Um, and it was weird when I learned other terms in, in LA. I, I loved the experience working on the Warner Brothers lot. That was one of the most magical experiences for me. And again, I'm such a nerd. I don't think every actor is so excited about every little fucking thing like I am. But to me, it just was a dream come true. I parked in the parkade, crossed the street. It was still dark out. I was like walking into the gate, giving my ID and you know, the big Warner Brothers and all the posters and, and like that's where they shot friends and i got to go to central perk and and buy a mug there because now it's a it's a store and a coffee shop after the show stopped there and then, then it was really sad because my cat broke it like that week but um just the experience of being on location in los angeles to shoot something because I would open my door and see palm trees or the beach or water and like that just does not happen in Vancouver. They both have different feels. I I still nerd out when I get to work in Los Angeles because as a kid I just grew up dreaming about it and so anytime it's happening I still think I'm dreaming. As a nerd do you have a, a, a dream role that you've yet to play? Uh, I came close in, um, Continuum as an assassin, but I'd like to play one of the kinds of superheroes. I'd like to play something like, uh, along the lines of Buffy in terms of, uh, a, a woman struggling in the world to find her own strength, but doesn't realize she has it, has a voice, and yet to physically be able to show strength and vulnerability. It was such a beautiful show, something like that. But of, of course, I wouldn't want to just do a repeat of anything. I, I just, I don't know what the, the role is, but it's, I've not had it yet, that's for sure favorite moment from shooting volition <laughs> probably what we all say we joke around and we're like night shoots because uh tony and um ryan didn't really know the concept of shooting day for night night for day so they just put us on night shoots all the time and so we were always so tired uh Poor Adrian, I think he worked like 17 hours one day. He was just like at the end of the day sitting on the curb, like waiting for a cab. That is a show that's very difficult to say what was favorite memory. I would say maybe the days that I was shooting with all the cast, uh, that was pretty lucky. I would go and visit on days I wasn't working and watched them act. And I felt really lucky to be a part of 
just the what am I I'm like the only woman in that boys club so it was pretty awesome to work with some people I think are powerhouses yeah you've got you've got Adrian you've got Bill I mean Alex is a just a I know and such a teddy bear but plays such a good fucking monster yeah and Cassini's the Cassini brothers yeah you you mentioned they didn't know the concept of, of day for night I'm curious how long was your longest Friday day I don't even remember. It's honestly for all of us like a blur. <laughs> it was a blur, but a blur that we would never change. We would never do anything different. Um, I'm sure Tony would say otherwise because, of course, he would want more time and and all that kind of stuff to be able to make everything perfect. But I think he did everything very beautifully. Well, the film is Volition. Uh, I believe it's out now, uh, yep. streaming on on VOD. Uh, it's a great film. It's it's a trippy ride. Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I I thought I knew where it was going, and then I'm like, oh no, what? What's happening? Huh? That's the best kind, right? Yeah, I was like, what? oh, is is Angela like involved in this whole scheme? Is she like playing him? Because I thought maybe that's where it was going, and then they hit you with with this other thing. So yeah, uh, and I, I just I think it's such a awesome movement because one of my favorite ones is uh like back to the future growing up was one of my favorites and like et just movies that were really <sighs> made you feel good in a way that was so weird it just took you on these intense rides and i feel like with volition from the get-go you just start on this ride and you just hold on and then it ends and you're like whoa that was pretty cool yeah it was funny i it's I had two films like Back to the Future the good one but I was like very Twelve Monkeys I got and also uh, Run Lola Run which I don't know if you've seen I got that. also a true true romance from it oh yes very yeah, yeah it, it, stylistically I think you're right it's it's, yeah. it's, it's very true romance. and just damaged souls kind of thing there's something I that was one of my favorite movies growing up too still one of my favorites mm. well what's, uh, wait before I go what's your favorite movie oh of all time. It doesn't have to be like top one because I know it always kind of changes within five. But like when people when people always ask me that, the one that I always go back to is "Let the Right One In." It's oh, this. Yeah. It's the Swedish film. Yeah. Um, they they remade it in the states as "Let Me In" um, with Chloe Moretz, but the original Swedish version, uh, "Die Roten Kommen In," "Let the Right One In," based off a book. It is amazing. Um, I remember about, hearing about it. It's about a bullied boy, and then he discovers, like, you know, he befriends this girl who's really, like, this vampire. Yeah. Um, Who was, like, she's with her protector, but they have to, like, find blood, and then she's maybe not really a female. Like, it's this whole Whoa. thing. Um, it came out in 2008. It's a, it's a very, very well-made film. Like, yeah. plot, stylistically, acting, um, that. And I, I, I always have a soft spot for Juno as well. I know it's a... Uh, standard answer but uh, no that's a good one yeah i could see that that is that's kind of how i feel about my back to the future answer but there yeah. are a lot of people they're like juno can't beat that do you have, um do you have a favorite movie of all time uh back to the future yeah did the you trilogy and also true romance did you see uh josh gad's reunited apart no so josh gad was doing this thing on youtube called reunited apart where he was reuniting the cast of his favorite movies so okay. the first one he did was the goonies and it was 
just going to be a one-off. Um, yeah. But it got a lot of, like, everyone loved it. So they needed a second one. Uh, and the second one he did was Back to the Future. So Can you send that. me this? Do you have my info? Could you email that to me? Yes. Um, I'll get it to you I'll, once we stop recording. That way. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Everyone um, doesn't know all my information in the world. Get a splash. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Splash, yes. Um, uh, the Goat Good Son. And then he ends with Ferris Bueller, which is a new Oh, you're talking about all the things that he did. I thought you were listing movies you loved. No, no, no. So, so the, 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 for reunited apart, like this was so there were six episodes, and each was for a different charity. Yeah. Um, wow. and it was funny because last week I got to talk to uh, Joe Pantoliano about that, um, because he was in the Goonies, of course. Um, yeah, I don't know his name, but I've seen the Goonies. Was yeah. he the main guy? He plays Francis Fratelli. He's one of the Fratelli brothers. Okay. God, I I don't know their see like Goonies is one of those ones where I feel like it's more boys club. Yeah. Fair. There. Yeah, it, it, it is a very, you know, it is a very like teen. Every teenage, every boy, every millennial who was a teenage yeah. boy has seen it. Yeah, it kind of like Stand by Me, but I ended up just recently watching that for the first time, and I didn't think I'd relate, but I was crying. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good." It's it's interesting you say that because I love Stand by Me, but I also love Now and Then, which people have called the f the female version of Stand by Me. I have not heard of Now and Then. So it's it's in the '90s, and it so there's there's four characters, and there as teens, it's Christina Ricci, Thor Birch, Gabby Hoffman, and Ashley Aston Moore, and then as adults, it's like Demi Moore, um, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, oh Melanie Griffith, and Rita Wilson. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to. Can you add that with the information? I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, and like I think Hank Azaria has a small role in it. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so, I'm into it. The, um, also, I just realized I loved The Good Son as a, as a kid, too. That was an awesome one. Oh, yeah. To go back to our Elijah Wood thing. Um, yeah, that, he was, that was probably one of my favorite Elijah Wood ones. And interesting seeing Macaulay Culkin just playing a freak, right? Like, yeah, he's good at playing a sociopath. Yeah, he is. And uh, Wendy Crewson, who's a great Canadian actress, was in that. Uh, she played, was that the mom? Yeah, she, no. she played the, yeah. the, the, the mother aunt. Uh, oh, so good. And... And Macaulay's younger sister in that film was his actual younger sister. Yes, yeah, Quint. yeah. Um, the one that falls in the ice. There's another great Macaulay Culkin movie called Saved. Um, yes, him, I've seen that. Animal he was great Alone, in that. Mandy Moore, I loved, I loved that film. Yeah, he was uh, also in my friend's movie, um, Changeland. Seth Green directed Changeland. And... Okay, I've, I've, I've heard of that. I don't think I've seen it, but... Uh... Yeah, Brecken Myers, Seth Green, Macaulay Culkin, Brenda Song. Oh yeah, they're they're all friends. Like yes. Brecken and Seth, I think went to school together. I don't know if they went to school together, but they're fucking bros. They love each other. Like I'm friends with Seth, and like I know Brecken and Mac and stuff, and they're all like super uh, in love with each other. It's pretty adorable. And I know that I know that Brecken went to school with Drew Barrymore. Um, okay. And they were they were each other's like first romance. Aww. This is this is what Drew has said, or maybe it was Brecken, but they were like nine or ten in his garage for their first kiss or something like that. Oh my god, that's the cutest, especially knowing Brecken because he's such white bread. He's yeah. I can't imagine him like at <laughs> ten years old having the guts to kiss a girl. And it was Drew Bremer who was already famous at that point too. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
So. Oh my God, that's adorable. With 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 all these name drops, who's a who's a dream co-star? Oh, Frederick Kills. I would say. Who? Um. Ryan Reynolds or uh, Sam Rockwell. Ooh, good choices. Yeah. I feel like everybody wants to work with Ryan. He seems just like the nicest person ever. He's Canadian and he's fucking funny and just, oh my God. I I know cheesy romances isn't everybody's thing, but the one, uh, the proposal, I just, I think Sandra Bullock's hysterical and charming and I think Ryan Reynolds is hysterical and charming and God, I would love to be hysterical and charming with someone. Like, oh, it was amazing. People out there, write, write Magda a rom-com. Yeah, right? Put me and Ryan Reynolds, which I look like a 12-year-old next to him. But, like, I, like, I would love to play a sidekick of his or something in, like, um, one of the uh, Deadpools or something. Yeah, maybe maybe you could be in – maybe you'll we'll, – we'll get you out there for Deadpool 3, right? Exactly. I'd like to play one of the freaks. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you, 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 and you could go toe-to-toe with Brianna or something. I, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody. <laughs> I – yeah – yeah, I, I just got into like boxing and after quarantine, I can't wait to start um, like finding a place to go box. So um, bring it on. Is, is there is there still that center kind of down behind? There was a place down behind uh, Burrard Station, I think, that did boxing. Burrard, where is Burrard? Where the fuck is Burrard? Burrard Station. So it's like, yes, basically. Oh. Like where the like if you know where the convention center is. Yeah, like uh, the hockey rink and everything. Yeah, not 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 that far. But then it's just like you come off haste like basically where Berard kind of meets meets into Hastings just before like one over from Granville. Um, yeah. And then there's like a loop. Um, yeah. Where Berard Station is, and then there's this road that runs behind there. Yeah, you're. Kind of, are you thinking of like First Street or Second Street? Yeah, it, it, there used to be a rock climbing place there, and now it's all apartment buildings. Okay, because because my my friend used to do kickboxing at like I think it was a Rexall place or something behind Berard, but I don't think it's changed a lot. There's a lot of construction over there. Yeah, there's always construction in Vancouver. Yeah, since Olympic Village became Olympic Village. Yeah. It's just not the same. I can't I can't even remember what Olympic Village used to look like, but I knew it was really unsafe and like there was nothing there. Yeah. No. And no, well, it was a lot of controversy because it was just like these unused apartments that were all like yeah. moldy and all that jazz. But it's really weird. It's weird to grow up in a city where I don't even recognize what it looked like when I grew up here. Right? I know. Yeah. It's like I came back here after twelve years and I'm like, Oh well this is the same, but all this is different. Yeah. You know? But it also starts making you like start to trip out with your memory because you're like, wait, I remember something happening here and here, but that thing doesn't exist anymore. So it's like your your memory's erased. Yeah, it's very trippy. Yeah. Well, this this has been fun. This has been great. Thanks so much for. Uh, I know I kept you longer than was planned, but uh, I talk a lot, so thank you for having me. It's all good. Well, this is this has been great. It was really fun. Well. That's it. There you have it. My chat with Magda Apanovich. Magda A, as I like to say. Um, check out Volition. Uh, it's available 
for rent on Amazon and you can stream it. And make sure you tune in next week when all my guests will be Romila Gary and Casey Roll and as well Mark Levin, director of the documentary Stockton On My Mind, which follows Stockton, California Mayor Michael Tubbs. As well, I'll have post-humanist Francesca Ferrando. And then later on, coming down the road, I've got interviews with Emmanuel Jal and Emma Donahoe, excuse me. And this just in, I'll be having a quick interview with Canadian actor, writer, director, comedian Jay Baruchel. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs>